Welcome to the Lord's house. Just a quick announcement. We do have children's church today. And so see Samantha after the last song at the double doors. Good morning. Stand with us as we worship the Lord today.
Your strength that found me at my weakness. Your grace put out at my despair. And I feel lifeless, tired, burned out, and defeated. Your perfect love will find me there. You called my name. You made all things new Oh, I was dead, but look at me now I found revival in you You gave me life Cause that's what you do Oh, I was dead, but look at me now I found revival in you Wild dreams Oh, I was there, 
saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Just listen to the words of this song. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Shout the hymn of him. 
Jamie. James, you want to pray for us? Good morning, everyone. Told everybody I filled out a visitor card when I got here this morning. Seems like it's been a long time since I've been here. It's good to be home. Amen. My mom's been in the hospital. I've been staying with her on Saturday nights when my sister's working. And a couple of Sundays, I was off at a Gideon's presentation. And it's good to be with other churches and get involved in that. But there's nothing like coming home. So... My mom's doing better. She's in rehab, and I appreciate all the prayers, all the concerns. Uh, appreciate being here with people that love me and love the family. I didn't come up here to tear up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I'll try to get past that. Today's my birthday, and as I was coming to church this morning, we had a uh, few raindrops, and I said, thank you, Lord. That's as good a birthday present as I could ask for. We just need more of it. So for those of you that got some of that this morning, you're welcome. <laughs> Hopefully this afternoon we'll all get some more. And if you're one of those that don't want to rain, sorry about that. Me and God's got it worked out. <laughs> all right. Let's bow your heads and pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Lord, for each and every one that's here, you knew who would be here before, uh, before the day came. Lord, I praise you for who you are, for the many blessings that you give, Lord, for watching over us and keeping us safe, uh, delivering us. Lord, I pray that as we come together, we seek to uplift and glorify your name. Lord, I believe that the songs have already begun to prepare our hearts for that. Lord, I hope that you found it pleasing. I'm sure that you did. But Lord, I pray right now for Brother Darrell as he comes to fill your pulpit. Lord, I pray that you just give him the words to speak. Lord, that you'd make it easy for him. I know that he's prepared, but Lord, I know that at times uh, things happen and we get stressful, we get whatever, but Lord, I just pray that you just touch him. Lord, that you hold him up, that the words that he delivers would touch hearts and minds the way that you intended for it to be. Lord, I pray for the rest of this congregation. Lord, I do thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be with us as we leave the here. Uh, Lord, that you would just show each one of us the Christian life that you'd have us to lead, that when others look upon us, that they don't see us, but they see you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, James. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19. Have your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19. Thank you, James, for the prayer, too. After all these years, you would think that preaching would be easy, but it has never been easy. I don't suspect it ever will be. I always need prayer. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. I'm going to read about Abraham's third big test. He, uh, he and his wife went through three major tests. First one was to leave home. I'm not going to, God said, I'm not going to tell you where to go, just want you to leave. And that's a major issue of faith, not knowing where to go, but leaving anyway. The second one was the birth of Isaac uh, to them who were well past the age of, age of having children. So it was a miraculous birth, and that was the second test. Now we come to the third test, and it kind of hinges on the second one. 
the birth of Isaac was such a miraculous thing that now we come to Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, and he's going to be asked to offer Isaac as a sacrificial offering to the Lord. He's going to be asked to offer his only son, the son that was born in such a miraculous way, a huge third test for Abraham. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. We're going to come back to that phrase. That phrase is kind of what got stuck in my mind when I read the text. Offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, verse 18, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also uh, received him in a, in a figurative sense. So the third test came, the offering of Isaac. Uh, just real quick, I'm not going to go over the whole story, but God did appear to Abraham one day and instructed him to offer up Isaac, your only begotten son. And, and if you read the text, when you read the story in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 22, it does almost give you the opinion that the next day, next, I mean, he didn't wait. He, uh, next, next day, he and, he and some, some servants went, and they traveled to uh, Mount Moriah. And uh, they got close to the mountain three days. Three days. He uh, had the servants wait. Abraham asked the servants to wait. So Abraham and Isaac walked up to the top of Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem is. So we don't know exactly the spot, but uh, this story, I, I hope it's very apparent to you, this story is so mirrors so much the story of God offering his only begotten son on a cross for us. The mountain's the same. We had no idea to you know, prove or know that it might have even been the exact spot. So Abraham and Isaac traveled to the top of Mount Moriah, where Jerusalem is to today. And uh, there, Abraham builds an altar. And he lays his only son on that altar and binds Isaac, binds him up, ties him up, lays him on the altar, raises the knife to sacrifice his son, and God said, wait. And just as the knife was raised, God said, wait. And Abraham looked, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And God said, no, offer the ram instead of your son. So that's just a real short uh, synopsis. If you're looking at your, at your outline, there's an outline on the backside of your of your announcements. I want you to, the whole, the whole thing will be about the correlation, the picture, Abraham offering his son, and then God the Father offering his son, Jesus Christ, on a hill, on that same hill for us. So see God in, see God the Father in Abraham. I want you to just imagine, the Bible doesn't say this, but I want you to use your imagination as, I mean, it has to be that God the Father and God the Son are watching this story of Abraham and Isaac play out. They're watching the whole thing. 
And I know it's pretty impossible for us to do, but can you a little bit put yourself in the shoes of God the Father and then God the Son, Jesus, as they watch Abraham uh, obey in a, in, a, in a really fantastic way. I know he's been through other tests of faith, but not like this one. And I know as we look through uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, we have looked at and we're going to look at a lot of really big issues of faith, people who've done tremendous things. The building of the ark that we talk, talked about, I mean, that's a huge thing to do. Uh, Moses raising his staff, splitting the Red Sea as, as millions of, of Israelites cross through on dry ground. That's just huge. When I think of, of you know, what, what would you say some of the biggest events in the Old Testament? I would think the ark. I would think the dividing of the Red Sea. I would think those as, as, as huge. But on a personal note, on a personal note, I don't know if every parent, especially every parent in the room, can you even start to put yourself in Abraham's shoes and do what he did? It's really hard for me. I'd rather build an ark than do this. I'd rather be stuck with all the Israelites in, in, in the, the wilderness than to, do, to be asked to do what God asked Abraham to do, offer, sacrifice your only son. I... That issue of faith is not near as dramatic as crossing the Red Sea. It's not near as dramatic as the Ark. It's not near as dramatic as a, as a lot of other things that God asked people to do. And it only affected two people at that time. So it's not affecting the nation. It will. But just those two people. But a huge thing that God asked Abraham to do. I don't know. I, I hope I, ne I don't have any idea what I would do. I just, I cannot hardly imagine that stress of faith, that test of faith. But see God the Father in Abraham. I want you to see that as, as God the Father and God the Son watch this. And God the Father and God the Son are looking ahead a couple thousand years to Jesus dying on a cross. As they look ahead to that, the Father, God the Father, must be thinking, what Abraham's going through, I'm going to go through. As he thinks about that, if <laughs> I don't pretend to understand how God thinks. I'm not saying that. I just know that God is watching this play out as he is watching all of us, and I'm going to come back to that at the end. As he is watching all of us, he's watching this play out. And he's got to be thinking ahead to where I'm going to go through this too. Because there came a day a couple thousand years after the Abraham-Isaac event where Jesus was crucified on a cross on that same spot, on that same hill. And God the Father watched this as his only son was crucified on that cross for us. God the, God the Father watched this. And the, the more awesome thing about it is that he could have stopped it. He could have prevented it. He could have put a stop to the whole thing. Just like he did when Abraham raised a knife, God said, stop. 
as Jesus hung on the cross, the father could have said, stop, but he didn't. That's the more miraculous thing, the more awesome thing to me as I contemplate being the father watching the son. We, we often, and, and we rightly should, when we think about Jesus dying on a cross, we think of Jesus and we think about his sacrifice. He was nailed to the cross. The uh, spikes through the hands, the spikes through the, through, the, through the feet, the crown of thorns, the spear in the side. Jesus is being offered as the sacrifice. But, especially for every parent in the room, imagine the father standing by watching, not stopping it, letting it happen, allowing the, the soldiers to crucify his only son. And you know why he did it, right? For you. For you. So God, see God the Father in Abraham. Then see Jesus the Son in Isaac. As Jesus and the Fa- God the Father and God the Son watch this, God the Father is probably <laughs> paying special attention to Abraham, what he's going through. Jesus, the son, probably paying special attention to Isaac and what he's, what he's going through. Now, what we see, I want you just to think about this in the Abraham-Isaac story. They're walking up the mountain to the top of Mount Moriah, and Isaac's looking around, and Abraham's got the knife, and he's got the fire, and, and Isaac says to his father, Father, I see the knife and the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. God will provide. And so they come to the top. Isaac is probably an older teen to in the young man age. Abraham, by now, is an old man. And... Uh, there's just a huge difference in age and a huge difference in strength. As Jesus, the son, watches Abraham bind Isaac and lay him on the altar. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but think about this. Isaac had to allow Abraham to do this. Uh, The Bible doesn't record the conversation, but when they get to the top of Mount Moriah and Isaac's already noticed there's no sacrifice, there's no offering, there's no animal. And Abraham, and so he probably asked Abraham, he asked dad again when they get to the top, dad, what are we going to do for, for the sacrifice? And somehow, the, I'm, I'm almost glad the conversation is not recorded. Abraham says to Isaac, I don't see how he got through this. I'm having trouble getting through this and this many thousand years after. I have trouble with that story. I have trouble getting through it without tears. So, but, but, but Abraham had to say, eventually let him know, Isaac, you are the sacrifice. You. I'm glad that's not recorded. I'm glad that it didn't record how hard that had to be for Abraham to say that, God the Father and God the Son are watching this. And they're watching this play out. And these two, Abraham and Isaac, 
are God the Father and God the Son a few thousand years after that. So Jesus is watching Abraham break the news to Isaac, you're the sacrifice. What's Isaac going to say? He did it. He did it. He allowed the father to bind him. Do you see the correlation? He allowed the father to bind him. He allowed the father to lay him on the altar. He didn't have to. This is similar. It's not the same thing, but it's very similar when Noah sat around the supper table with his sons and said, boys, I've got something to tell you. We're going to spend the rest of our life building a boat, a, a big wooden box. And the sons say, okay, crazy. Isaac, I'm sure it wasn't quite the same as Noah and his sons, but Isaac says eventually, okay, Dad, because you say so, I'm going to do this. Amazing. It's inc we always talk about the faith of Abraham, and, it, and we need to. Tremendous amount of faith. But we rarely talk about the faith of Isaac to allow the father to do this. So he binds Isaac and lays him on the altar. Jesus, remember standing before Pilate, he didn't say a word to Herod, but he standing before Pilate. Pilate said, Pilate said, a pilot is just a puppet of the Roman court. Nothing more than that. He's just a man. He's just an average man. And he's probably a little below average man. And he's just a puppet of the Roman court. And Pilate is standing before God. And he doesn't get it. And Pilate says to God, I have the power to kill you or release you. Isn't that insane? Standing before God, I have the power to release you or kill you. And Jesus says to Pilate, you have, you have no power over me. You don't get it. You don't get it. And you have no power over me except what the Father has given you. And so Jesus, amazingly, did not have to go through this, did not have to stand for this. But he stood there and he took it because the Father asked him to as the soldiers, uh, as they whipped him and as they put the crown of thorns on his head. And they laughed at him and they, they scoffed at him and they nailed him to that cross. And as they stood that cross up, sometimes we get the picture that the cross is way up in the air, but it's not way up in the air. In fact, probably, as I stand on this step right here, it's probably about as high as, as Jesus was as they raised the cross up, put it in that hole so that people could come by, the Pharisees and the scribes and the soldiers, as they could come by and slap him and pull out his beard. So this is about how high he was off of the ground as they came by one by one, jeered at him, mocked him, slapped him, pulled out his beard. The amazing thing is that God hung there and took it. Why? For you. For you. 
amazing. You think the story of Isaac and Abraham is amazing, and I do. But the story of God the Father and God the Son is even so much more so because this is God that people are dealing with, and they don't understand it, and they don't get it, and God goes through it anyway. Amazing. You ought to leave the Lord's house today with a little higher view of God, if that's possible, okay? That what he did for us, I think it's possible. Sometimes we hear the story. We hear the gospel story so often, we get a little used to it. I don't... I don't want to get used to it. I want it to be like it's always new. So the story goes on. And Isaac, or, or Abraham raises a knife. And just, just in time, God says, stop. And then there's the great reversal. The story gets even better. The great reversal. Now see yourself in, now see yourself in Isaac and see Jesus in the ram. Because that's how that story played out. It's almost like God the Father said to God the Son, watch this. <laughs> watch this. As he said to Abraham, stop! And, Ab and raise your eyes. Look over there. As he saw that ram caught in the thicket. There's your sacrifice. And so now a great reversal takes place. And that's exactly what Christianity is. That's exactly what the gospel is. It's a great reversal. It's Jesus taking your place. That's what the gospel is. It's not just a man dying on a cross. You know, there were three men who died on a cross that day. There were three men who suffered on a, on a cross that, that day. But only one of those men, only one of those men died and rose again, and only one of those men died to take your place. There's, there was only one innocent man who was killed on a cross that day. The other two deserved what they got. Genesis, uh, Genesis Jesus was innocent, sin-free. There was no reason for him to be on that cross except for you. So the great Reversal is to see now yourself in Isaac, you, and see Jesus now in the ram. God the Father said, no, now this is how it's going to work. You, take, you are now the ram in a parable and in a story. The story is now going to change. Hallelujah. The story is now going to change. Jesus takes the place of the ram. I take the place of Isaac, I'm laying on that altar. The knife is raised above me. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual, eternal death. The wages of sin is death. Isaac. Sacrifice. The wages of sin. The payment. Because that's what Jesus did for us. It's a, it's a payment. Every sin brings debt. D-E-B-T, debt. Every sin brings debt. Not a lot of sin. Every sin brings debt. And, for, and because of that debt, for that debt, a price must be paid. We don't just, God never just shrugs his shoulders and says, oh, well, it's okay. I'm just going to forgive that. I'm just going to turn my head. No, that debt must be paid. That's the, what we sometimes call the economy of God. And so that, that sacrifice must be made. And so Jesus becomes the ram. 
I take the place of Isaac, and so do you. And when the knife is raised, God the Father says, stop. Let's, let's offer the ram. And so on the cross, you see Jesus on the cross where you should be. And I see Jesus on the cross where I should be. God playing out the story of Abraham, Isaac, and the ram thousands of years after that huge test of faith took place. God went through it step by step, just like Abraham did, except God took it to completion for, for you. Now I want to go back to uh, something I said, to a thought. This will be the last thing that you see on your, on your outline. Jesus not only sees what you are going through, he enters it with you. You're, you, are, you are never alone. Now, I made it just God is watching us. The Old Testament says that, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth. There's nothing that he can't see. But he's not only watching you. He goes through it with you. This is where I want you, This is how I want to leave this. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you. This is what I want. This is where I'm asking the Holy Spirit. I've been, I've been asking the Holy been talking to God about this all week long. This is where I've been a, as, asking the Holy Spirit as he speaks with me, through me, that he would be speaking to you. God is not just watching you. He, he's never just been watching you. He's going through it with you. Now, I know how it feels to go through things and think, God, are you paying attention? God, are you watching this? God, where are you? God, am I, am I going through this alone? I know I don't expect anybody to feel what I feel, and I can't feel what, what you feel. But I sit in my chair this morning, or stood there while, while we sang, and I've been struggling uh, all morning long feeling like I'm getting up here all by myself. But I know I'm not. But I feel just like you do sometimes where I struggle with it feels like I'm going through it all by myself. But I know I'm not. I am never alone. And the cross proves to us that Jesus is not only, that he not only sees you, but he goes through it with you. And so I don't care what you're going through. What you're going through is not what I am. And, you know, we're all, it, every one of us is going through a different thing. There's a story in every seat. But whatever it is that you're going, whatever your test of faith is, if you can imagine again as God the Father and God the Son watched Abraham and Isaac play that story out, the Father says to the Son, that's what we're going to be doing doing it through, doing it with. And that's, that's what God does. He's going through this with you, for you. And I want you to feel that. I want you to know that you are never alone. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. This is our prayer time. And I'm going to ask the congregation to stand with us, please.
I'm going to add something to you. I, I hope you know you can always do this, but I felt this before church first started when I was thinking about the invitation part. Uh, I hope you always feel like you can come and pray about anything, and I want you to feel that way this, this morning. But I want you to also know that you can come and praise, that you can come and praise him. You can come and ask for help. Of course you can. You can come and lay your burdens at an altar. Of course you can. But you can also come and offer what the Bible says is a sacrifice of praise. And I, I, I just, I, I think that maybe there's somebody here this morning who needs to do that. Lord, I really don't have, I, I'm not coming to ask so much as I listen to the gospel preached this morning and I listen to what, about what Jesus did for me and he took my place and he didn't have to and, and he, he took the ridicule and the slapping and the thorns and the, and the nails and he didn't have to. And Lord, I, I, I tell you what it does to me, I get overcome with praise. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. That I may, I may come to the Lord's house like I did this morning, and I'm sitting on that front row, and I'm, and I'm thinking, God, I, I, I feel like right now I'm just all by myself. But I know better than that. I know better than that. I'm not by myself, and I never am. He's always, he's always with me. You may be here this morning, and, and you do need to come and ask, and you do need to come and pray. There is something in your life that you need to talk to Jesus about. You need help. You, you need help. And it may be, not, just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. So you may need to come and, and say, Jesus, help me. Or you may need to come, you really need to come this morning and say, Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I, I praise you. Whatever you need or want to come to an altar, a seat, to this area and pray about. While they sing, we invite you to come. stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. Who you are 